0: This afternoon's talk is going to be somewhere in between Hasidic philosophy, a little bit of pop psychology, and somewhere in between. Over the past couple of years, something that we all knew about years ago has become more popular, and it's called the Big Five, and soon I'm going to... Explain to you what's in front of you, and we'll do that exercise, and we're going to talk about that exercise. But before I do that, I want to give you an an idea about relationships in general. If I had to think of five things, what five things can help every single relationship? You see, our relationships are so diverse. There's so many kinds. Some of our relationships are based on unconditional love Or at least they should be According to the Torah Pirkei Avot, the ethics of our fathers Calls this love A love which doesn't depend on anything The first kind of love Think about this for a second A love that really truly doesn't depend on anything Anything And and think in your minds of the kind of loves And the kinds of relationships you've had in your life That really was a love that was not a tit-for-tat love It wasn't you do this for me and as a result I'm going to love you It was truly a love that didn't depend on anything Then There's your family And each relationship in your family Is going to be different For example you need to honor Or respect your parents Love And be a giver Perhaps sometimes Be a receiver Hopefully more of a giver than a receiver I hope If you have children It's a different type of love Love for a child Kind of Goes through The process of life at some points, we're more givers, at some points, we're more receivers, and sometimes in between. It's a fascinating dynamic and relationship the love between parent and child. Your siblings, you try not to be a rival with them. And then there's the extended family, what we call the Jewish people, the tribe. The Torah wants us to love each other unconditionally. That's a a huge word The word unconditionally That is the actual mitzvah of Ahavat Yisrael The love of a fellow Is the love of a fellow unconditionally It's a word that I think is so Overly used and so wrongly used And sometimes not used at all The unconditional word There's also other types of love There is conditional love which the Talmud or the Mishnah calls "ava shetuluya which is the working relationship. Let's say uh, a coworker, your boss, your neighbors, even the government. You're not obligated to love any of these people, but you need to get along with them. There needs to be what we call in halacha darchei shalom," getting along, a way of peace. There needs to be this process of which, for these relationships, that we have a peaceful feeling towards these relationships. So, what do all these relationships have in common? What do they all need to improve? One thing that I could think of is the word conflict. They need to improve conflict. Every single relationship has or could have some kind of conflict. In psychology, we call it a rupture and a repair. It's only through rupture and repair that relationships actually can thrive. Every single relationship needs a rupture in order to exist. This, that's a very difficult thing because you would think of a relationship as the opposite of that. Why would a relationship need a rupture to exist? But that is the dynamics of relationship and if you're going to look at your relationships and I I hope that you have in your mind, perhaps think of a particular relationship you've had in your life and think of what kind of rupture you had in that relationship and what kind of repair you had in that relationship and how you did it or maybe you ruptured that relationship and never repaired or maybe you ruptured it and didn't realize you were actually rupturing that relationship. Something to think about. You have to write this down? You need some time? It's not Shabbos yet. Okay. If you got it, you got it. So, what do you think of when I say the word conflict? Does it give you a good feeling? Does the word conflict give you a bad feeling? Does it make you uncomfortable? Are you the kind of person that can embrace conflict? The first thing, and maybe the most important thing that I want to say here this afternoon, is that not one of the five things that I'm going to talk about in a few minutes will say that conflict is good. And I think that we are trained to think this way in North America. Our society has trained us to run away from conflict, to be scared of conflict, to think conflict, no way. There's absolutely no way. I don't want conflict in my relationships. I don't want any conflict in my life. I just want to be able to relax on the beach. I just want to have a good time. I'm on vacation I came here for a vacation. I didn't come here for conflict. And all of a sudden, there's a shark in the water. You said it. It There's a shark in the water. What was supposed to be something exciting is something that is not. And that is one of the great mistakes that people, when they look at relationships, look at it as a mistake. And that is that conflict is crucial. Rupture and repair is going to be potentially the most important thing you're going to need in a long-term relationship Now, I'm not a psychologist, I'm a rabbi So what does Judaism, what does the Torah teach us about conflict? The Torah says that conflict is how we grow Conflict is collective thinking It just depends most of the time on how we manage it. You know, a movie has three parts, the setup, the conflict, and the resolution. Would you ever watch a movie without conflict? Think about our entertainment. Every single movie And very often, especially in certain genres of movies We're watching those movies vicariously Living through other people's lives Or they're reflecting our own lives And every single movie Every single one of those narratives and stories Is going to have a conflict As the central theme of the narrative As the central theme of the story There, There are two Talmuds In the Jewish tradition as I'm sure most of you know The Jerusalem Talmud and the Babylonian Talmud Today we study and depend mostly on the Babylonian Talmud Why? Because it has more conflict in it Everybody is always disagreeing The, Ju- the Jerusalem Talmud is just too serene It's not interesting It's not exciting to us And so what became the debate of the yeshivas, and the debate of the Talmud Chacham, of the, of the scholar in Judaism, is going to be the conflicts within Judaism. That's what we have. That has been what's ignited our sparks and our souls for millennia. So I'll go back to my initial question. Why is conflict so important in a relationship? I think that it's healthy because it's human nature. Every strength that a person has also contains a weakness, and vice versa, every weakness contains a strength. So for example, someone who is really neat, someone who's really organized, someone who is always on time, those are all considered to be quote unquote good traits, But they also imply a weakness, because can this person be flexible? If they're always neat, and they're always on time, what happens when a curveball is thrown into their life? What happens then? Are they able to be flexible? Can they let go every so often and have fun, or is everything having to be so calculated in their life? Would you want to go on vacation with them? (laughs) Sometimes, you know those people, they're like your, 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 your post-army trip coordinator in Israel. You ever have those? 5.30 in the morning. Come on, come on. We have to get to Subasada. Come on, come on. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to go on vacation with that person? Is that exciting? Is that a vacation? So every single thing that perhaps you're going to see as a strength, also within it contains a weakness. And you have to make sure that you choose your strengths properly because they will also have within them weaknesses. So when you're looking for a partner or you're looking for a particular trait in a person, you may want to think about this. What is the trait that I'm really looking for? Because within the trait that I'm looking for, that particular strength that I think is so important and I can't live without may also have within it a weakness that I can't live with. We'll be back after a quick break. Are you tired of swiping right on every dating app out there and still getting nowhere? Are you convinced that you'll forever be alone, surrounded by nothing but uh, cats and empty takeout containers? <laughs> Hi, I'm Elisa Ben Shalom, the host of the new show, Jewish Matchmaking, which you can find on Netflix. And I'm the love rabbi, Rabbi Bernath, and we're inviting you to join us for Matchmaker Matchmaker. Each week, we'll answer one of your pressing relationship questions from how to get over your ex to how to deal with your partner's annoying habits. So if you're ready to laugh, uh, cry, or maybe even find love, then tune in to Matchmaker Matchmaker, and it's available now wherever you listen to your podcasts. So maybe if you wanna go see the Grand Canyon, Mount Rushmore or a Broadway show all in the same day, you may wanna find someone who's super organized. But what's interesting about this person who's super organized, this hypothetical person obviously, is what happens when they have to deal with someone who's different. Someone who's different at home or at work or at school, anywhere, the first thing that you have to understand is that you need them and they need you. When it comes to a long-term relationship, the most important thought that I would put into a couple's mind or into someone looking into for a long-term relationship into their mind is that a relationship solves one problem and one problem only. And you need to have more losses than not when it comes to this problem. And that is, it ends loneliness. Now, as long as you have more advantages, as long as there's more reasons to be lonely than not to be lonely, you're never going to want to end your loneliness. And it actually, if you thought about it, and it's not for right now, but it's another thing that I can do where we can talk about loneliness and how important it really is in your life. But as long as loneliness is not the greatest challenge in your life, as long as You don't want to empty out half of your closet, sleep on one side of your bed, sit at one chair at your table and truly feel that there's truly, truly something missing in your life because sometimes people have to do that. People have to feel so lonely in order to realize there's something truly, truly, truly missing in their life. The next thing, if you need to teach them, if you're looking for a fixer-upper, some people when they're looking for houses, they want to have a house that is done, turnkey, walk in, it's gorgeous, it's perfect. And some people, they're looking for the deal, they're looking for the fixer-upper. Now. What's fascinating is, unless you're the person in the business of flipping houses, most probably, the fixer-upper is gonna cost you more money than the turnkey. Because you don't know how to take the fixer-upper and make it into a turnkey. And probably you're gonna be paying full price for it. And so, most people who are looking for a fixer-upper, they're making a huge mistake because they don't have the resources to be able to deal with a fixer-upper. You need to know the right contractors. You need to know the right people. I mean, Jews, let's talk about it. We are not blue collar. We know how to get estimates. <laughs> I know some of you know how to use a hammer. In my house, my wife uses the, has her own toolkit. I'm not the one, I, I have two left hands. She does all the repairs in the house, and that's great. It's part of our relationship, we love it. But unless you have the right tools, you're gonna have a very, very difficult time with your fixer-upper. Unless you have the right resources, you're gonna have a very, very difficult time dealing with this fixer-upper. Now, what happens? What happens when your boss or your professor leaves something a bit up in the air? Are you gonna freak out because you couldn't deal with it in, in advance? Are you going to be able to wing it because you need to sometimes? Do you need to constantly be someone who is organized, who has it all together? Or do you want to be someone who's a little sp- spontaneous? Now, the fact is that we're all complicated. People are complicated. People are very very complicated. There are so many different kinds of conflicts, and we all think that our conflicts are unique. Nobody else has this in their life. This is, I am, the only one since the beginning of creation that ever had this problem. Nobody can even relate to my problems. My problems are so me that no one, if I even tried to explain it to you, you couldn't figure it out. How often do I hear that? I want to tell you, I'm sorry to tell you, I hope I'm not the first one to break the news to you, but your conflicts are not so unique. When I hear, sometimes people get annoyed with me because I hear something and I'm like, "Uh uh uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, and I I say, that's number 42, that's number 46, (laughs) that's number 65. I can put a number on all of your conflicts and all of your issues. They're not unique, you're not unique, and you're not special. How does that feel? Actually, it feels good. Okay, good. I'm happy that you say that. Not everybody thinks that. Some people feel that they're unique and special. You know what? If you feel that you're unique and special, let you be unique and special. It's also okay. That's for the people who didn't want that rupture. But my goal, for those of you who know me and have heard me before, is to rupture our relationship. Because only through me rupturing our relationship can we come to real change, to second-order change. That's what we want. So I want... The rupture in our relationship. I want to challenge you, and if somebody, you know, if they truly care about you, if they're trying to match you, they don't care about you. They're just trying to get your attention. You know, they match you. Oh yeah, I'm like that too. Oh yeah, I'm, I am. Yeah, me too. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I also have a nose. This is amazing. <laughs> oh wow! I can't believe it. You too. Whoa. Mismatchers. Mismatchers are people who care. They care enough to make a rupture in your relationship. Do you want to be a matcher or do you want to be a mismatcher? Can I ask you some more questions? Are we good so far? I started talking about five issues. There are five issues that people in every type of relationship tend to get into long-term conflicts about. And those are what we're gonna call the five BuzzFeed issues for this evening. It all began in 1919. There's a young American psychologist His name was Gordon Alport Ever hear of him? Gordon Alport paid a visit to none other than Sigmund Freud Alport was telling Freud About his journey He said he was on a train And there was a little boy who was obsessed With staying clean And didn't want to sit next to anyone He didn't want to touch anyone Alport wondered If the boy's mother Had some kind of dirt phobia, and that it had rubbed off on this young child. And he's going on and he's telling this hotel, and Freud looks at him and says, actually, you never saw this boy on the train. That little boy is you. And you are having your inner child and some kind of Unconscious episode that's causing you to see this as part of your repressed childhood. And Albert, this young American psychologist, felt that Freud was full of it (laughs) because he saw the story and he was trying to analyze it as psychologists usually do. He said, Why do you have to dig so deep? Why do you have to look at behavior? And describe fundamentals as this repressed childhood. And so Albert changed this whole thing. Unfortunately, his research didn't become as popular as Freud's. But I do believe in recently, through um, some professors at the University of Toronto recently, his research has become very, very popular. And they call it the Big Five. And what he spoke about is there's five different types of character traits. There's fundamental, characteristic, and conscious motives. And there was also um, uh, some Harvard researchers, Robert McRae and Paul Costa, that have spoken quite a bit about this as well. The five traits are the following. Conscientiousness, agreeability, neuroticism, open to experience and extroversion. What you have on your chairs is the following. What i like you to do is I am going to show you, right now here, through actual science. This was created by Dr. Alpert himself. It's not a very well-known test. I did not, well, I somewhat changed it to help you a little bit. But I'm gonna show you where you are on the spectrum. And so as I explain each of the things, I want you to know where you are, because if you have a spouse, you're gonna want your spouse to do the same thing. Now, people say opposites attract. Opposites don't attract, it's so foolish. Men and women by nature are opposites. It's not, I don't know what that means, opposites attract. Actually, similarities attract. That isn't the point, attraction, isn't that the point? Similarities attract. So what we're gonna look at is we're gonna look at who you are on this spectrum and we're also going to look at what is the kind of person you need to be with? Who is your complement? So what I want you to do is I want you to put, take from one to five. Five means you disagree with the statement. Sorry, one. Yes, there's pens all over the place. Yes, there's papers here. Uh, one is that you disagree and five is that you agree. In order for this to work, you cannot use a three. Even though three is there, we are, most people are inclined to use the three because you don't know. I want you to make a choice. Go two or four, not three. Take your time. Okay, so if you look at your pages, Whatever you've gotten through, you're gonna find that you have somewhere between zero and forty on all of them. So you're gonna realize that twenty is smack in the middle. If you did anybody get zero in anything? Did anybody get a forty in anything? Yeah. I got a so what's so let's talk about the first one, the E. The E is extroversion. What do you think the opposite of being an extrovert is? So if you're a 0 you're an introvert if you're a 40 there you're an extrovert and anywhere in the middle you'll see you're more towards extrovert or more towards introvert. How about that? This is this is pure science right here. Now let me I'm going to go through each and every one of them. I want to go through the third one first. Conscientiousness. What is the opposite of conscientiousness? Slacker. Slacker. Lack of direction. That's what it's called professionally. The opposite of conscientiousness is lack of direction. You're going to see. Look at your. Look at your number three. At your number, twenty is somewhere in the middle. Zero is on one side. Forty on the other side. And you're going to be able to see everything in between and where you fit. I just want to tell you, if you're a twenty-seven and conscientiousness. You're probably going to want to find somebody who's like a 16, 17 or a 14. It's on the other, on the other side because you need both of them. Otherwise, sure. it's not going to, your relationship's not going to be too exciting. Sure. It's going to be very dull and bland. It's okay if you're on one side. There's nothing wrong with that. But the point is, is that you have to know who you are in order to see who you are in a relationship. This is really going to help you. I do this with couples all the time. And it's amazing for couples to be able to see their similarities and how they both add such an incredible dynamic to their relationships. So, let's talk about conscientiousness and lack of direction. Conscientiousness means someone who's organized, someone who's on time, someone who's self-disciplined, like the, like the hypothetical person I spoke about before. And the scientists call the opposite trait lack of direction meaning that oh that boy he lacks direction i'm going to say that someone who has a lot of direction is going to go crazy being married to someone with a lot of direction because who's steering the ship my friends that's all i'm saying Irresponsible will be different. Irresponsible is a learned trait, not a nature. It's nurture, not nature. There's a big difference, and thank you for clarifying that. I'll talk about that as well, but there's nature and nurture. We're talking here about nature. Obviously, what you're gonna be writing about yourself is going to be a little bit of nature and nurture both, because that's who you are today. You're a mix of both nature and nurture, but today we're gonna call what you're writing about yourself your nature, not your nurture. Someone who's agreeable is someone who always agrees. Someone who gets along with people. They're diplomatic. They're polite. They're nice. The opposite trait is disagreeable. They're antagonistic. Someone who always disagrees. Someone who always says no. They're a mismatcher. They're blunt. They're moody. And maybe they're a little bit of a curmudgeon. If they're not too tall We'll get to that at some point Then we have Neurotic Yeah I think the researchers are really bad They went there They went to neurotic They're going after Our poor Jewish mothers Neuroticism Is how emotional Someone is As in emotional unstable, or anxiety, or anger, depression, impulsiveness, thin skin, thick skin, lack of self-confidence, self-confidence, and the opposite of that is emotional stability. Then we have the last one on the bottom, openness to experience. It describes someone who is intellectually curious, really into aesthetics. Maybe he likes to read fantasy or sci-fi, has a wide interest and in hobbies and ideas, likes to try new things all the time, wants to explore the world. And the opposite of that is close to experience. A person who likes routine, someone who wants to go to the same restaurant and order the same thing every single time. And they've been getting the same thing at the same time in the same way for the past 15 years. And if you don't serve it like that, Oi, Vesmir. Because they like it. Their choices of entertainment would be a lot less abstract. And finally, I'm going to go to extroversion, which is number one. I don't know if any of you noticed whether I'm an introvert or an extrovert. You can probably see. I want to tell you, it's pretty obvious. I scored a 40 on extrovert. Just to give you an idea, so which means, if you want to know if I'm on vacation right now or not, I'm on vacation. Because this is what I enjoy to do to relax. This is me relaxing. There are some people like that. Some people, it will be their greatest fear to stand up here and talk to you. And some people, this is how they go on vacation. Those 40 extroverts, I guarantee you, should not be married to people who are 40 extroverts. Because that is not... A recipe for success I'm not saying it won't work I'm just showing you something that is an, An interesting idea of how to look And how to find that particular person Someone Who gets energized By talking to people Doesn't like being alone Generally assertive too That's an extrovert They get energized By being around people the question between extrovert and introvert, people think, oh, I like to be, I, I like to, I'm extrovert, I'm out there, I'm outgoing. No, our society has created forced extroverts. A lot of introverts who have no choice but to be extroverts. An extrovert is someone who actually truly enjoys being with people. They get, they get their recharge, their, their, their real battery recharge by being with people. An introvert is the exact opposite. If you're the kind of person who after you do a weekend like this, you need to like, Not look at anybody for two days, you're an introvert That's okay We call that an introvert You get recharged with a good book Staring into space And being around people tends to drain these types of people Well imagine if you have two introverts What's going to happen, they're never going to get out And if you have two extroverts, they're never going to stay in so you need that balance in a relationship of the extrovert and the introvert. That's the most obvious of the five. And it's the most obvious to notice right away. Like for example, I can for sure, with maybe a minute or so of speaking to you, I can tell if you're an extrovert or an introvert. It's very easy, how you, how you position yourself, how you look, how you deal with various things. I'm gonna take questions in a second. Now, I'm gonna read everyone's mind. You just pegged yourself into these five personality factors. In your page, you decided where you are. You decided where you fit, even as I was describing them. Even if you didn't get to the end, you already know kind of where you fit in the spectrum without even doing this whole exercise because you already were kind of pegging yourself. As I was talking, you were seeing, where am I? Where do I fit? How do I work this thing through? So now, Can all the disagreeable people please stand up? Come on, don't be shy. If you're disagreeable, can you please stand up? Of course no one's standing up. The disagreeable people are for sure not going to stand up if I ask them to stand up, because they're disagreeable. Which means if, anybody would have sta- if anyone would have stood up when I said that, you actually would be saying that you're really, truly agreeable. Because you're trying to be... Remember we spoke before about the matchers and the mismatchers? You're trying to match me. Not necessarily. The disagreeable people... They may be proud of being Possibly they're proud of being disagreeable, but they're then... I don't need to disagree with you. <laughs> right, because what happens is the disagreeable people are trying to... You get this? It's a cycle, a vicious cycle. Now we know a lot more about your relationships. Don't worry. We'll have to agree to disagree. That's it. You see? We know a lot more about your relationships now. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, you see? Now we even know we even know more about them, <laughs> his relationships. I'm worried to say this because no one's going to talk to me the rest of the weekend. How you fit into a particular, how you peg yourself is going to help you understand who you are and how you relate to others. So, see, if you got a high score, it means finally, you know, finally, after all these years, you can finally go home to mommy and say, I did well. Right? Yeah, I see. What I'm really trying to point out is that the words the scientists have chosen to describe the five factors, are really judgmental. And they make us favor one side on the scale versus the other. Like, who wants to be labeled as disagreeable or antagonistic? That's not fair. Like, it's almost like these scientists are trying to peg us in the same hole that society is trying to peg us. For example, society is trying to force us to be extroverts. And here, once again, you have a great example though it's one that is very helpful to you but I want to make sure that you understand the language here is also not helping you at the same time. I would rather there be other language that would be associated with this because it would help you if you're in the other side. Let's say you're a disagreeable person. It would help you understand what that means to be disagreeable. Because I'd rather that they be positive statements instead of negative statements. The problem is how do you have two positive statements That are opposite from each other Which is the way the Torah can do it So I think perhaps we can recreate them In Judaism In Kabbalah In Hasidus We have our own terms to refer To these personality factors We call them sefirot Or midot Not factors So forget about disagreeable Or antagonistic for a second Is is there anyone comfortable with identifying themselves as the Gavura type? Yeah. You see? Why are we more comfortable? Even though Gavura should be seen as a negative trait, it's not. Because if you know what Gavura represents, you know it's not truly a negative trait. These terms. No, They're not at all. None of the Sephirot are negative at all. And that's why I think it's important to understand the difference between this Albert research, which is amazing, what they call the big five, and you can look them up, and you can look up more about them. I think that they're very helpful in relationships, but they're not helpful as because there is a negative association with half of them. Where the sephirot may be, in my humble opinion, a little more accurate. So I'll give you an example. Agreeableness is generally referred to as chesed A chesed type of person The person who always sees the good in others Gevura is one who holds back more Is more judging when they associate with that person And that isn't always a bad thing We need to learn to recognize When somebody is different than us In terms of one of these five factors Or one of these midot And to appreciate that they may have Something to teach us The chesed person Needs to learn how to say no Chesed people Because you're not truly chesed if If you never said no If you've never said no You've never said yes Now if you always agree then you never really agree. You're just not being your own person. Talk about teferis, there was once a rabbi who was seeing a couple with so much conflict. They were ready to divorce. The woman stood up and said to her husband, and he said, the rabbi answered, you're right. you probably heard this before. And then the man said, you're right. And he said, you're also right. He says, rabbi, we can't be both right. You're also right. They say someone who is open to experience makes a very good leader. They say that it's a very good thing to have. But let me tell you, if we all scored high on open to experience, nothing would ever get done. We'd all be out there just exploring and enjoying. Let's see what happens. I wanna tell you of every single person on my trip between here Montreal and here We're open to experience We would not have gotten here For Shabbat I guarantee you So you need to have people Who are also Close to experience To say Chavere Let's go We gotta get there Because Oh that's an interesting place Let's stop there Oh that's interesting Let's stop there And before you know it Two days passed And you haven't gotten anywhere that's, It's great But you need both of those people In the relationship Openness to experience Is what we call chachma. Chachma doesn't mean wisdom It means intellectual conception A certain kind of ability to create new ideas and things Let's bring back ethics of our fathers Let's bring back Pirkei Avot ein Chachma, ein Bina Im Bina, ein Chachma Chachma needs Bina So the person who is closed to new experiences Is the Bina person The processor The person who can develop new ideas but not make them up That's why Bina also means to build in Hebrew By the way, openness to experience Chachma has a bit of correlation with being politically liberal Bina is somewhat correlated with being politically conservative A couple of days ago, I made a big mistake I made a big mistake on Facebook. Maybe some of you were checking me out, who is this guy, Bernath, they say he's big, you know, you say this thing, that thing, you probably were checking, maybe you saw something. On a tangent, matchmaking or Sheduchim is so different today because of Facebook. I can't even give out names anymore because the second you give someone a name, they know everything about them, everything. Right? They went on Facebook and they looked them up. And all of a sudden they can tell you everything about them because they look through whatever pictures they have or whatever else things they have on there. I don't even know. I don't even want to know. So I do a lot of blind dates now. They get there and they get the name right before they get there and the the picture right before they get there. And they have at least five seconds or 20 seconds to kind of figure out who is this person. And what's the point of this? The point is this, so they can't spend the three days before the date figuring out why it's not gonna work out because we become self-fulfilling prophets. We say it's not gonna work out, and guess what? It doesn't work out for the 40th time. I'm sorry to say this. Maybe it's gonna hurt you, but we are the common denominators in all of our failed relationships. We are common denominators in all of our failed relationships. So I wrote something like this the other day. I wrote, Jerusalem was the capital of the Jewish homeland well before the US was even a thought. There's no need to be apologetic or even political about it. Mr. Trump, I don't always like your antics and methodology. But your statement today moved me to tears. and so incredible to hear the truth that we hold so near and dear to our hearts, spoken from one of the most prominent on the world podiums. I pray that lovers and haters only see the good in your words, and this helps usher in an era of true peace. So I'm a rabbi, and this was a personal feeling, a profoundly traditional issue. I did my best. Everyone is talking about how the political climate today is so polarized, especially especially here in America. In Canada, we don't even understand some of what's going on here. But it's become so polarized, and I wonder why. I think, personally, it's because we've stopped seeing each other as people. we stopped trying to understand why our opponents are the way they are. And to see the good in what they're saying People, to be apolitical 100 plus comments on Facebook war ensued I didn't get involved or talk about the political opponents Like they're bad people, because they're not They're just like you, but a little bit different They want mostly the same things But they have a different approach to getting the same results And maybe these people are wrong, or maybe at least you think they're wrong. How about getting up and talking about how much you appreciate what the other person is saying? How it's coming from a good place before disagreeing with them? How about realizing that God gave you two different personalities? That result in two different perspectives. And that happens for a specific reason. So back to my Facebook post. Can we, can we as Jews embrace our Jewish brethren like this? Yes, they may do things differently, different streams of Judaism. We may disagree, we may may even disagree strongly, but can we see the good in it? Should we talk about all the anti-Israel Jewish factions? You may know that I'm the chaplain At Concordia University Which in Montreal they they call it Gaza U It's very anti-Israel there Even amongst many Jews It's very anti-Israel Actually this year The the president and vice president Of students for Palestinian human rights Were both Jewish Somebody last year organized An anti-Israel Passover Seder where they replaced everything that in, About Jerusalem and the Seder With Palestine I was there I attended it They screamed next year in Palestine As part of the Seder So Ask me a question How do you interact with these people? How do you relate to somebody like this? How do you find a relationship or a connection with someone like this? I used to be shocked. It used to shock me to my core. But today I realize the only answer is relational. We must start having conversations. We must start focusing and building relationships. All types of relationships. We have become anti-relational people. We think that all of our friends are the numbers that we have on Facebook and the likes that we get on Instagram, and we don't think of our friends as the people who we're really interacting with. Think about someone who's agreeable. You probably want to get to know them, because they're going to agree with you on a lot of things, and that's nice. It's going to make you feel good. Think about someone who's extroverted or emotionally stable and open to experience or, or conscious They're probably going to be really rich and successful, right? Maybe they will. Maybe. But what about a police officer? How about a baker? They may not necessarily be be a good husband or wife. Neurotic people. I hate that term because we all have Jewish mothers. It seems like a negative term. It's not neurotic. It's just caring and a very real, important... Very important, exciting way Because we truly care, right? You know what I'm talking about The word is such a stigma They're Midos people Which means they're emotive Midos people are more sensitive They're more understanding And a little drama isn't such a bad thing There's someone who I know well who has a boring emotional life. They have a very flat effect. And they married, he married someone much more emotional to him, more neurotic, because he wants to keep things exciting in his life. Because he's blah, and she's not. And he likes that. Some people really like that. He needs that because he is high and open to new experiences. He may be blah, on the emotions But he's not blah, Open to new experiences So you look at those guys You say Those are the guys That need to be With the Yiddish Besides Without neurotic people We wouldn't have Woody Allen No seriously So much art So much comedy So much music So much literature Would be missing from our world And without introverts As antisocial as they may be, let's be honest, we'd probably be stuck in the stone age. There would be not science, there wouldn't be technology. We'd be missing so much more from the world. We need each and every one of us. We need each and every one of you with your unique talents, with your unique abilities. There is no one that came into this world before you. There is no one that's going to live after you and there's no one that's living here during your lifetime that has the same Unique purpose as you. This was something that was so fundamental to the Rebbe. I want to tell you before we get started here tonight. And into this weekend. If there's one thing that I can share. No matter where you fall. Here on the emotional or attached or disattached spectrum. We are here this weekend to be inspired. The only way to be inspired is to come with open hands, wanting to learn something new, wanting to experience something new, wanting not having expectations. I came here with zero expectation, so whatever happens is gonna be incredible. Sometimes we put our bar up over here and we end up down here. But if we put our bar up over here, we'll get somewhere in the middle. Somewhere. And I want you to close your eyes for a moment or just stare into space, I don't care how you do it, and think about what do I want from this weekend? How am I going to be able to experience second order change? Something dramatically different this weekend that I've ever had before? How am I going to be able to experience something that finally is gonna maybe shake me up, maybe allow me to look at the world through someone else's eyes, through a lens that I haven't looked at before? Because the truth is, and I'm sorry to say it again, I am the common denominator in all of my failed relationships. So what I've been doing until this now, until this point, I haven't, there hasn't been enough Of a challenge for me to make a change And What I pray and I wish of you Before we go on To our next moment What I pray and I wish Is that Hashem should bless each and every one of you With the ability to be able to accept All that will be Experienced this week this weekend. To be able to, if you're a mismatcher to be a matcher. If you're a matcher to be a mismatcher. If you're closed to experience, to be open to experience. If you're open to experience, be a little close to experience. Be able to take it all in and hold it. If you're an extrovert, become a little introvert. Talk a little less. If you're an introvert, become a little more extroverted. Talk a little more. And with those blessings and the blessings that are coming from being in the shkuna, from being in this environment for the next 24, 25, and hopefully maybe even 36 hours, with the Rebbe's brachas and with the koyach of Hashem, we'll be able to be very successful this weekend. Right now it's going to be Shabbos. We're going to, we are going to light candles. We're going to dive in and afterwards we're going to have our opening session. I know a lot of you have questions for me. I'll be here all weekend. I'm not going anywhere. I'll be able to answer your questions. Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do